Welcome to Education Matters, presented by the Public School Forum of North Carolina. I'm your host, Marianne Wolf. This week, we're discussing the Roadmap of Need, a whole child needs assessment that offers county-level data and rankings to help you better understand the needs of North Carolina's diverse communities. Together, we'll explore the methodologies, findings, and potential uses of the Roadmap. We are joined by Elizabeth Paul, the Public School Forum's Policy and Research Manager, Jessica Peacock, the Public School Forum's Policy Engagement Coordinator, and Julie Carey, the Boy and, and Girls Club of the Coastal Plains Director of Strategic Partnerships. Welcome. I'm so pleased to be joined by both of you who have put so much work into the roadmap this year, and we want to make sure we help those who are consuming the information or might be curious to have a better understanding of how we got here. So Elizabeth, how is this year's roadmap different from previous years? The last roadmap that we published came out in 2020, and it was released right before COVID hit. It's important to understand that most data lags a few years behind from our publication date, so we decided to pause during the height of the pandemic um, because we felt that the data wasn't necessarily representative of the current state um, in, the, in each county. Um, when bringing it back this year, though, we were really excited because um, we know it's been a lot of people have been missing out on it. And we wanted to evaluate prior data indicators to determine what was missing and how the publication could better reflect the current state of youth well-being throughout the state. Our indicators aren't set in stone, so it's important for us to reconsider what we measure over time. As society shifts, so too will our roadmap. So we made two big changes. The first change is that we split, or we have new indicators, so we split the education domain into education inputs and education outcomes that previously was all just lumped together into education. And we felt that the inputs and the outcomes were measuring two pretty different things. So we wanted to make sure we highlighted that in the current report. And then we've also added youth mental health and safety as a primary domain this year. And then the second big shift we made is that our publication used to be annual, but it's now a biannual publication. Um, changes in ranking and data doesn't shift all that much on a year-to-year -year basis. We tend to see those shifts occur over five to 10 years, perhaps. So we felt that the biannual publication was more representative of impact and change over time. So Elizabeth, you've mentioned a little bit about the factors, but can you tell us more about the roadmaps, rankings, and what factors those are based on? So we have five different domains, and within each of the do those domains are four data indicators. So our five domains are economic development, physical health, mental health and safety, education inputs, and education outcomes. And so like I mentioned, within each of those domains, we have four data indicators that we find can best assess the performance within that domain. It's important for us to point out, though, that there are, of course, hundreds more indicators that we could include that impact youth well-being and success um, across the state. Um, but unfortunately, not all data that we may want to present is collected and tracked equally. Um, so we are somewhat limited um, into our choices based on what is available to us, um, especially whether or not it's collected rigorously and updated regularly. 
Well, and I know as people are listening, they're thinking, oh, I want to go look and see. So I know we're going to show them how to go look and see how their county's doing and how that compares across. But how do you weigh these indicators, Elizabeth? All of our indicators are weighed equally, which we understand is not necessarily representative of what is occurring on the ground. And um, so we understand that in reality, some indicators may have stronger influence on youth well-being than others. And that influence of certain indicators can shift across counties and even across individual zip codes. Unfortunately, it's hard for us to quantify the magnitude of that influence that the indicators might have on children. So we do weigh them all equally. And that's important to consider when you're interpreting our rankings. And we have these five domains. Can you tell us how we chose those to focus on this year? Of course. So like I mentioned, um, as we were sort of reevaluating the roadmap and where we were at, um, we went and got thorough feedback from different stakeholders. And we did include um, two new domains. We have education inputs and youth mental health and safety. Um, and we just felt that um, these five domains were the most relevant factors that influence well-being. But of course, like the data indicators, there are other um, domains that we could have included, um, but we felt that these were the most representative. Excellent. And I know so many people in our counties utilize this data as they're both making the case, but also seeing how the work that they're doing is impacting our youth. Jess, I'd love to turn to you and learn a little bit more about what you thought were the major takeaways um, from this map and this report this year. Of course. Um, it is important um, to know uh, with our roadmap that um, even the higher ranking counties, there are disparities that exist across race, gender, and zip code. Um, and that lower ranking counties tend to be areas where people have less access to resources. Um, so we hope that the roadmap can be a resource for policymakers and decision makers to identify areas in need of more support and funding. Um, lastly, I, uh, our takeaway was that the state of North Carolina is not a monolith. Um, when you use the phrase North Carolinians, you're talking about a diverse community of people. And so, for example, while we're attracting global business and leading um, in medical research in some parts of the state, there are still some communities in North Carolina where uh, broadband access is still very limited. So in addition to North Carolina's allure for businesses across the industry, um, businesses across industries, um, each county has a unique contribution to North Carolina's reputation as a home for families. Thank you. And if you're watching this and you're wondering, is this something I should go dig into? What is the audience for this report and how is it useful to people listening, but also others across the state? Yes, I, one, encourage everyone um, to go look at the roadmap, especially with the indicators that we've chosen in the domains, to just get comfortable with data and what's going on in your county or district. Um, but our primary audience um, is community organizations that serve kids and families. Uh, publications like the roadmap can provide information that drives planning, supports grant writing, and strengthens local advocacy efforts. And like I previously stated, we hope that the roadmap can be a resource for policymakers and decision makers to identify areas in need of more support and funding. And one of the things I know people have told me is when they're applying for funding to support counties or support schools or others in their work, they often use this report as a way to show why there's need and where they have to go. And so I think there's a lot of different ways, but it's also just important because in our day-to-day -day lives, sometimes I notice that it's 
you don't necessarily realize all that's happening, as you said, in other parts of your county or even right where you live, quite frankly. And so this report can be very, very helpful. Um, what are some of the ways that if you see your rankings and you're feeling a bit discouraged, what can you do to improve that? And really, we're not as worried about we're worried about rankings, but only because they represent what's happening. I think the first step is to one, do some asset mapping. So understanding what is available in your county, um, for example, you know, nonprofit organizations, uh, faith-based organizations, really tapping in and doing your research about what services they're offering, the programs that they've, they've put together and the funding that they um, have received um, and understanding almost like the landscape of, of help or the landscape of support that exists in your community. Um, the second step would be to uh, join in on those organizations, learn more about them and, and join their efforts. Um, if you are leading one of the organizations, right, and you feel compelled to do more or feel that you can have a bigger impact, I highly suggest partnerships. Uh, we can't do this work alone. Um, and, and again, when we work together, uh, we can impact larger communities and we can have a deeper impact in our communities. Um, so again, after you've done your research about the resources that exist, the organizations that are already doing the work, um, joining in on the work of those organizations, um, and then again, being a bridge or a, or a partner uh, to the organization. So again, that your impact can be larger, uh, wider and deeper. Secondly, um, on your own as an individual, I highly, highly suggest, again, reaching out to policymakers and decision makers in your community, sharing the data with them as they go in and vote on policies that impact your community and the state as, as a whole. So really understanding how your local government works so that your advocacy effort, efforts are both strategic and intentional. Um, and again, no, there's no, there's no act that's too small um, as far as advocacy goes. So if all you can do right now is write a letter or send an email or make a phone call, um, that also has impact um, uh, has impact just like the fundraising and attending galas and volunteering your time with organizations. Well, and Jess, I know you uh, have been a teacher in the past and I'm just curious when you look at this report, whether for the county you taught in or others, what resonates with you about that? Like how does that connect to the students that were in your schools? It is a very humble reminder that um, while kids come to schools, kids are coming from families. And there are domains that impact students um, that show up in their academic and behavioral performances that we always, that we don't necessarily think about. Kids are coming to school impacted by things outside of what we normally think about, which is like clothes and food and health. Um, kids are being raised by families and the stress on families means can often mean a stress on kids. Um, and so for me, it's important, again, like I suggested, to tap into organizations that are really trying to adjust some of these other indicators, especially as a teacher, because we know that when these indicators are addressed, other indicators will see um, an increase in some of these other indicators, especially things like graduation rate um, will will also be able to see um, an, an impact on academic achievement um, as well. So understanding impact beyond, you know, food, clothes, um, and shelter um, as far as working with students and working with families. 
Well, thank you so much for sharing that. And thank you to both of you for this work. I assure those that are listening or watching that you will love diving into this data. And while you can spend just five minutes and learn a lot, my guess is you'll want to spend a lot more. So Jess and Elizabeth, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having us, Marianne. Thank you so much. After the break, we will be joined by Julie Carey, the Director of Strategic Partnerships for the Boys and Girls Club of the Coastal Plain. Education Matters is brought to you each week in part by Participate Learning, uniting our world through global learning. We are so pleased today to be joined by Julie Carey, the Director of Strategic Partnerships for the Boys and Girls Club of the Coastal Plains. Welcome, Julie. Thank you. I'm so excited, Julie, to have you here, both in your current role with the Boys and Girls Club, but also as a former principal and educator um, as well. So thank you for bringing that perspective. We'd love to start by hearing from you about who do you think can benefit from this year's roadmap? Well, the list goes on and on and on of, of who can benefit from the roadmap of need. Um, any community stakeholder in your in your area um, really needs a copy of this, but certainly your local and state governments, city councils, county commissioners, and certainly at the state level as well. Your public school partners need um, the roadmap of need. Higher ed needs your roadmap of need, um, whether that be the community college or your four-year universities. Policymakers need a copy of the roadmap of need as well as nonprofits like myself, um, any one that is an out-of-school time provider. Um, funders also need this as well because you know, we come to them for support and they too need to understand the needs uh, in the various regions of North Carolina. And certainly our families do as well. So it's a wide range of people from all walks of life um, that certainly need um, the benefit of the roadmap of need. Thank you. And how have you used the roadmap as a tool, Julie? Well, in my role as the Director of Strategic Partnerships currently with the Boys and Girls Club, we use it for a wide range of, of things. Uh, one of the first things that really informs our program planning, you know, the Boys and Girls Clubs, we're in seven counties in rural eastern North Carolina. And so this information is quite impactful when you sit uh, with people and talk about our needs for programming because we certainly have the data to support it. <clears throat> so many times you just say, we would like to do this or we would like to do that, but this is the catalyst for the why. You know, this the data shows the, the, the need for uh, addressing uh, program planning. Um, also fundraising, you know, when we talk about grants, we talk about funders, you know, they're all driven by data. Every, all, you know, that's, that's how they do their business and outcomes. And so um, we also use it tremendously in fundraising. We use a lot of outcome measures, um, but it also is the catalyst for the why of what we do. And then, of course, for advocacy, we need to understand that, you know, as we're talking with people in, in the communities and our partners, in the, in, especially in the seven counties that, <clears throat> that I serve, um, it really helps paint a picture of the needs and, and you're not only advocating for, I'm not only advocating for my program, but I'm advocating for all youth in the area that we serve. Certainly my priority is the boys and girls clubs, um, but also uh, just being sure that we're advocating for the needs and advocating for the youth, because if, if we don't do it, who will? Who's gonna advocate and be that voice for them? 
Thank you. And and what is the benefit of having county specific data? The county by county data, when, when we're sitting here with seven counties, like I said, in the communities that we serve, um, and when you take those seven and you even compare the seven that we that we have uh, and that we serve, you know, it just certainly pops out, you know, wow, look at what they're doing here. But gosh, there's so much we could do there. Um, and that comparative data is really uh, very impactful when you are, again, talking with your funders. Do you know how we rank in the state in this county? We can do better than this, but we need your help to do that. So um, it, 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 that county by county data is extremely helpful because it really gives you a very clear picture of how you fall in the, um, the rankings of these various indicators. And when we think about your role with Boys and Girls Clubs, um, I'm curious if you could talk about how investing in out-of-school time programming um, factors into the roadmap from your point of view. Well, I think the roadmap provides the, the data that informs the decisions um, that need to be made. And I think that um, all of the um, conversations that you have, certainly around financial support, um, is very clear in the roadmap of need. It certainly informs, I mean, that's why it's called the roadmap of need. It shows you exactly uh, where the needs are, how the money needs to be invested uh, to ensure that our youth are getting the, the services um, that they need and the support that they need. So Julie, do you have any examples in mind for how um, a county's out of school time programming has helped them move ahead in the roadmap or improve on some of those indicators? Well, I just know in, in what we do within the boys and girls clubs, we keep a tremendous amount of data and a lot of outcomes around these indicators. And it certainly shows when you pay attention and you focus on these specific areas uh, and give those areas the, the support that they need, then certainly great things happen. But if you're if you don't know what you don't know, and I think that you know when you have the funding to to zero in and have a laser focus on things, certainly things are going to improve, and we've seen that just in our in our world uh, in the seven counties that we serve. Thank you. And how can we as a state continue to support out of school time learning opportunities to help our communities with all of these indicators and our students? I think one of the things we've got to do is sort of change the perception of what we do in after school. I think so many um, people have a perception that it's just a you know daycare until parents come and pick them up after school. Um, so many of, especially in our organization, but many other uh, after school providers are an extension of the school day. And if there's some way that we could we could you know, rename or have a hashtag or, or do something to, to help people know that this is an extension of the school day, that we are involved in academic success. We are involved in leadership development and um, just all sorts of things. We do have sports and recreation. We want kids to come and have fun, but it's truly an extension of the school day. And if there was any way that we could kind of break that, that, that cycle of misunderstanding that we are more than just a babysitting service, that we are really moving towards um, developing the whole child around so many different areas. And I think if people understand that that's what we do, then I think that their perception will change and then the funding will come. And we know you do a whole lot of that, Julie, and more. So, uh, so <laughs> thank, thank you. you. For, thank you for that. And thank you so much for joining us today.
I'm happy to be here. Thank you so much. After the break, this week's final word. The Public School Forum's Roadmap of Need was first published in 2010 by the North Carolina Center for After School Programs to inform policymakers, funders, and citizens of needed investments on a county-by-county -county basis. From its inception, the main focus of the roadmap has been preventive care, including after-school programs, health care, and job programs, which among other key factors can have major impacts on the success of a community's youth. The first roadmap used 10 indicators to assess need in these areas. 13 years later, the 2023 roadmap was created using 20 indicators across five domains, economic development, physical health, mental health and safety, education inputs, and education outcomes. The forum team believes these five domains capture the interconnected conditions and resources that are necessary for a child to succeed, both inside and outside of the classroom. The roadmap now strives to be a whole child needs assessment, which is critical to understanding what is needed for each child to have in order to thrive in school and in life. In addition to expanding the roadmap's consideration, the target audience has also expanded. The roadmap has proven to be a key resource for policymakers, school leaders, out-of-school time providers, funders, nonprofits, families, and the public to identify and communicate about areas in need of targeted investment. The roadmap allows each of these audience to focus on the needs of their individual counties where making decisions about how to invest time and resources, which can be crucial in a state where needs can vary drastically depending on the community. In North Carolina, school funding is often heavily dependent on the local tax base, creating significant disparities in the resources available depending on the wealth of a school district's community. This creates a cycle of inequitable funding in which those districts with the most need repeatedly have the least to work with. That cycle can be seen in many rural districts where the majority of our state students live and learn. Arguments against investments in education and other similar areas are often based on the idea that blindly throwing money and issues won't fix them. However, the roadmap gives us the necessary data to know where which investments would be the most beneficial. Equitable funding based on need is a crucial step in improving North Carolina's public schools so that they can reach their full potential and prepare students to be successful, productive members of an ever-evolving world. The future of our state is worth investing in. The futures of our communities are worth investing in. And the futures of our children are certainly worth investing in. When we have the information needed to make the necessary investments, the only thing left to do is act. To see how your county ranked, you can view the full 2023 Roadmap of Need at ncforum.org forward slash roadmap. Thank you for taking time with us to learn and think about education. That's all for today, and we'll see you next week.